Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad that you're here. I extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. This is our Canvas Celebration Sunday. The theme of our Canvas season is I'm a Believer, and um, we're glad you're here. I hope you are glad by the end of the, of the service that you have chosen this Sunday on which to visit. It's not going to be bad. We come from a long history and heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you please say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and in the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. The call to worship is anonymous. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. People ask, what holds this congregation together when everyone here calls themselves a Unitarian Universalist, but we have roots in Christianity and we have roots in Buddhism, we have roots in Hinduism and uh, earth-centered religions and humanism. What holds us together? Well, one of the things that holds us together is our mission, which we say together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Now let us breathe together for a moment. We breathe deeply. We breathe into that place in our heart where we are who we are. We breathe into the place where we can speak to God as we understand God or where we can just listen to our inner wisdom. Or we can just breathe. This is the time in our service when we open our hearts to the world and bring it into this sacred space with us. We hold in our hearts all those who are ill, those who are fearful, those who are having family troubles or money troubles. those who are without homes. We hold in our hearts those who are in harm's way because of natural disaster, nuclear disaster, because of war. We hold in our hearts with gratitude all of those people who are trying to make things better. And we try to live so that we can count ourselves among them. 
May we breathe in silence every day for the rest of our lives until we are sturdy enough, deep-hearted enough to open ourselves to the suffering of the world without turning away. And so that we have the wisdom to know whether it is our time to alleviate suffering or to add to the joy of the world. It is in this time of meditation that you are welcome to light candles of joy or candles of concern, candles to mark significant moments. This time, let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist loving-kindness prayer or metta-meditation. We say it through three times. I'll say a line and you say it after me, should you choose to. And the first time through, we say this for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time we say this for someone we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. And the third time through is a difficult spiritual exercise. We say this for someone against whom we have a resentment. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. One of the passages in the Hebrew scriptures that informs and inspires my idea of church comes from the 61st chapter of Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, what the Christians call the Old Testament. And it's the passage that Rabbi Jesus chose to read in the synagogue when he was asked to read, pulled out this scroll and read from it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to prisoners. I want to say that I'm a believer in being part of a congregation that is doing this work. We're here to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim good news to the afflicted and freedom to prisoners. I believe in a congregation whose good news is that, that God doesn't send anybody to hell. That is really good news. 
And I have a great time saying that in the beauty parlor or wherever I am. People say, what is unitary universalism? I said, well, directly translated, it comes out to meaning um, one God, no hell. I'm in the one God, no hell church. And people say, really? There's a church like that? Yes, there is. And people truly are afflicted by their belief in hell. And whole families are afflicted when children are cast out of a family because the parents believe it's their job to keep their child from going to hell. And so they'll throw them out on the street as a way of teaching them how bad they are for being gay, mostly. But I don't want to talk about our good news today. I don't want to talk about binding up the brokenhearted, even though Lord knows there's plenty of that going around. I want to talk about freedom and liberty. So one of the things we do is help people find their freedom. And a lot of time we, as Unitarian Universalists, don't feel free to say, I am a believer in. Because it's more comfortable for us to be skeptical. That's kind of our stance in life. We're skeptical. We could just write four pages single-spaced about what we don't believe in. No problem. What you do believe in, that's a little harder. And so in this congregation, we are all encouraged to say what we do believe in, to think about it, to find out about it. And several weeks ago... You were given little sheets of paper with the sentence, I'm a believer in, dot, 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 to write on the paper what you, how you would finish that sentence. What are you a believer in? And we got lots of wonderful responses, like I'm a believer in compassion. I'm a believer in community. I'm a believer in reason and observation. I'm a believer in the good in everyone. And um, we took photographs of church members and mounted them uh, on and put captions of what they said they believed. Although for the babies, we did put words in their mouth. <laughs> but you can see those in Housen Hall during coffee hour, and the baby picture is in the Welcome Center. So it's good for us to figure out what we believe, and it's good for us to feel free to say what we believe. And so one of the things, another thing that we're not free around is money talk. It's very hard for us to talk about money. And I know I was raised with a family, uh, kind of a Philadelphia uh, waspy family, where money talk was vulgar, was vulgar. And uh, my dad was raised by his Victorian grandmother. So I'm guessing that probably not many people uh, my age have heard the word vulgar as many times as I have. But um, it's a good word. And here is the extent of what I was taught about money. You ready? Maggie, I shovel out and God shovels in. And God uses a bigger shovel. So, in my high school, we had classes on Swedish cinema, but we did not have any household finance classes. You know, I got to be 23 years old, graduated from seminary, and married. I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know about property taxes. Let me tell you, that was a surprise when I first got the bill. I didn't know about so many things in the world that now I know about. 
But I've learned that in order to save your own life, you have to learn to talk about money. You know, you have to learn to talk about money and you have to learn to face your own fears and shame about money. This is a lifetime proposition for most of us. There's so much shame around being in debt and there's so much shame around having to choose which bills you're going to pay. And there's so much shame around, you know, not making as much money as you think you should make or um, feeling like you're not amounting to anything by the age that you are. I had a friend who had recurring nightmares where he was at his own funeral and people walking around shaking their heads and saying, well, it's a shame he never amounted to much. That was a driving force for him. I have another friend who whose driving force is getting to $100 million because um, he has, I don't know, 70 already, but 100 feels like a really good, solid, safe number to him. So all of us are driven around the, almost all of us, driven around the money thing. We worry, are we going to end up on the street? Are our children going to end up on the street? Even if we have plenty of money, there's shame and anxiety around um, how much do I give to my children without spoiling them? How much can I leave to my children without ruining their lives? Because we've all seen it happen. How much, how much of my fortune do I leave to, to my children? And do I leave them evenly or do I leave them according to ability or need? And how do I, how do I leave money without disincentivizing their lives? Now my spell check did not recognize disincentivizing as a word. But I know it is one because I heard it on the news this week. (laughs) The money is fascinating and it's hard to talk about. And this time of year is the time of year when we talk about it a lot with each other. This is the stewardship time of year when we talk about how we are stewards of the money that we have and how to be best stewards of it. How do we be stewards of this community that we are part of, and how can we give um, the right amount? And I want to say, you need to know a couple of things. Um, One, I have been a cheapskate, I think, and I'm raising my pledge 20%. I invite you to think about doing that. Number two, it costs the church $1,500 a year to keep each person to run per person. And we just get that number quick and dirty way by taking the whole budget and dividing it by the number of members, and that's what you get. It's not any kind of magic, finely tuned number. So, and now that I've told you that number, I want you to forget about it because the amount doesn't matter that you give. The amount does not matter. I want you to hear me. What First Unitarian Universalist Church wants from you is for you to be generous within your means. Nobody knows what your means are, only you. Nobody knows what your income, your expenses, what your holdings. Nobody knows that but you and your conscience. And so if you are generous within your means, this is what happens inside you. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also, is another thing Rabbi Jesus said. And so when you give in a generous way within your means, not in a way that's easy, not in a way that hurts, 
but in a way that feels good, in a way that's significant for you, if this congregation is significant for you, then when you do that, you feel like you've got a right to be here. And like you've got a right to claim your space in this community. I don't care if you can't afford but a dollar a week. Some people can't. I don't care if you can afford to give $60,000 a year. Some people can. If you are giving in a generous way within your means, then you will feel inside very comfortable in letting your voice be heard. In claiming your space in this community. That's all, and I want that for you. I, um, the reason I want you to forget that $1,500 number is because I, I know that it, as you're moving quickly through life, you think, okay, that's what it costs to keep me here. Uh, I'll just write a check for that or what amounts to that after a year, and I'll have covered myself. And to me, that, that feels like, you know, the the teenage girl that was asked to mow the backyard. And she goes, why? I never go out there. Do you know her? I I was her. So what I don't want for us is resentful money or forced money. I think this church wants hopeful money. This church wants aspirational money, invested spirit money, full-hearted money, in excitement money, belief money, and belief in who we are and where we're going. So who are we? Where are we going? Well, I'm going to tell you quickly because we have other things to do than listen to me talk. We are growing you may have noticed that when it's not a rainy Sunday or canvas Sunday, this place is full. <laughs> and, and so we are having space issues. We're going to need either to move or to build. And we have a wonderful team exploring all of the research on both sides, plus and minuses of each one. And if you all have questions you would like the research team to research, please do give them to the team. Um, Sharon, would you mind standing up, Sharon and Brian? Or Sharon's here. Sharon and Brian Moore are co-chairing that team. And so just write down your questions for her. Don't expect her to remember them if you just tell her in her ear because people need to write things down. So um, anyway, if you have questions you'd like for the team to explore, this would be a great time to give them to the team. This congregation is a source congregation. It has started two other congregations. I would love to see this congregation start many more congregations. It is a model that we get from the 1950s from Washington, D.C., when a very famous church, All Souls, decided to start growing Unitarian Universalism by growing their community and then sending off 200 people at a time to start a new church. And they sent them off with a minister, and they sent them off with money. And I think we are in a great position to do that here in Austin as Austin grows and grows and grows. All we would have to do is just sit here and do a good job, and Austin will come. The other thing that you guys are really good at is the arts. I think this whole congregation was started in large part by the music department at UT. And so for 60 years, you all have had good music. And for 60 years, which we're going to celebrate next year, by the way, your 60th, um, 
And for 60 years, you've been teaching the children. And for 60 years, you've been having conversations and coffee and listening to sermons and trying to grow and do justice and transform lives and nourish souls. And for 60 years, you guys have been doing the right work. You've been through good times. You've been through bad times. But I want to say, this is one of the good times. So I believe in you. What we're going to do now is watch a movie. But before we watch a movie of you all, I want to take you on a tour of the pledge sheet that is in in the middle of your bulletin. Because today is the day you are all invited, not required, but invited to fill out your pledge cards so the canvassers don't need to call you. And on your pledge card is a time, is a place to give for one year. It's a place to give for one, two, three years at a time to make a one, two, three pledge. It is a place to mark whether you're doing a tithe, a full tithe, 10%, or whether you're a visionary, sustainer, or supporter of the church, how you would like to pay. And on the back, you can add notes, how this church is going for you, what you wish we would do differently. And you are welcome to think about this while we watch, well... You. And now please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you want to. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Go in peace, but not till you hear this. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.